Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion team. Shopify's already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. That's right. Shopify is the sound of selling everywhere, online, in-store, on social media, and beyond. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. With Shopify POS, you can accept credit cards, mobile payments, and every other major payment method, all with low fees and transparent pricing, starting on day one. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash mlbpodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash MLB podcast to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash MLB podcast. It's the Bomber Brothers podcast with Ryan and Sean Chichester. Swung on and driven to deep left. Toward the line. She is gone. Aaron Judge. Line one right down the line. Swung on and line to right center field. It is a base grounding third. Scoring kind of from left. And the Yankees win the ball game with two in the bottom of the ninth. Hit in the air to left center. It is high. It is far. It is gone. It's a grand slam. Oh, a Stantonian home run. Talking all things Yankees baseball. All right. Welcome, everybody. Welcome back from the All-Star break. Welcome to the Bomber Brothers podcast brought to you by WFAN and Odyssey. Sean and Ryan Chichester back to look ahead to the second half of the season as we're coming here out of the break. And we get started with a bang, a doubleheader in Houston. Part of the makeup from the first week of the season being banged because of the lockout. Um but first, Sean, there was still still plenty of all-star break action. I mean, outside of just the Soto rumors and keeping up with all that, we had um, a home run derby. We had some Yankees shining bright in the all-star game. And then we had the premiere, which continues tonight as we record on a Thursday. Yeah, I mean, the the home run derby was super fun. Um, Soto won, which was kind of a crazy. I did not think he had a chance to win, especially after, um, you know, the the first two rounds. But, um, you know, overall, I thought it was uh, really a fun derby. It was awesome to see Pujols win in the first round and then push the the second round, uh, you know, right to the end there. 
Uh, and then, you know, look, the all-star game, the Yankees, I, I know judge what he was over to with two K's, but um, Stanton winds up winning MVP with the mammoth, just Stantonian home run, which was great. And um, you know, uh, Holmes pitched what two thirds of, of, of an inning and, and Nestor was great. He had two K's in his inning and him and Trevino being mic'd up, I thought was one of the highlights of the game. Just hearing them work through uh, the the batters was was pretty awesome. And in between all that, you get to see the premiere of the captain. Um, I know we had seen it already in in Tribeca, but what uh, what do you think watching it a second time? I loved it just as much as as the first time I watched it, and it was cool watching it alongside someone else watching it with my girlfriend and she was experiencing it for the first time. And that was cool to, uh, to witness. And it was, yeah, it was, it was a very, it was very well done. I'm super, super excited for what's to come as we get more into the prime of his career and some of the big moments that we loved so much. And again, I, I know I've said this before, but I was worried it, this kind of documentary could just turn into a, a rehashing of a career and moments that we already know so well because of how much Jeter was in the spotlight and how little he uh, talked about it. But this, it definitely seems like this uh, interview with, with Randy and these 30 plus hours of talking with him are a lot, a lot different than how we've heard him in the past behind a microphone when we're used to seeing him after games or at press conferences, whatever it may be from what we witnessed for 20 plus years, but I, I loved it. I absolutely loved how they captured draft day and got to see all that footage of him in his house with his parents and his sister waiting to hear the phone ring. And um, I think they also did an awesome job of using his childhood idol, Dave Winfield, to kind of thread, you know, these two different eras in Yankee history where you have Steinbrenner eventually having to take a back seat because of what he did in terms of Dave Winfield and trying to dig up dirt on him and how that leads to basically Jeter becoming a Yankee. So I thought that was a perfect sensical bridge to kind of show people how that led to Jeter and the rest of the core four becoming such a big part of the Yankees. And it was done really well. Yeah. The, the thread of just Steinbrenner blinded by his hate for Winfield to his suspension to the Yankees, not being good. So they have a high draft pick and being able to keep all these draft picks because Steinbrenner is not around. And then what, you know, what happens in the, on the draft is pretty crazy. Like my wife was like blown away by that part. Just like how much, everything had to go exactly in a certain way to, to bring Derek Jeter to the Yankees, including Hal Newhouser just retiring from baseball over it. It pretty, pretty crazy. Um, And I I thought another really high point um, and credit to Randy for capturing this was the importance of the 95 team for not only Derek Jeter, but for the, the remainder of the, I mean, for the rest of the core that stayed intact. Like that series is so pivotal and and so important in the history of this dynasty. And they really, really captured it very well in, in what that meant uh, to, you know, to the whole team. And I I thought that was, to me, that was actually probably the high point. I think, um, you know, I think Derek was more raw 
didn't reveal all that much personally. I thought his mom did an awesome job. I like I I, I when I we saw it in Tribeca and even watching it the second time, I thought his mom was the the best part. Like just being very open and and showing how hurt some of the ra- racism like hurt her um, for for marrying a black man is just like you know that that that's the stuff that you're like wow like you know I I don't think about this all the time when I look at Derek Jeter. I thought that was really really well done. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I agree. I think she gave the best interview and in talking about how, you know, she was asked to take down family photos at work and everything like that was was absolutely heartbreaking. But it was uh it was powerful. It was a great, great uh start to the documentary. I love the pacing of it. I love how we're through part one and we're already about to get started on, on Jeter's rookie year because I I I feel like in terms of his upbringing and high school baseball, you can you it's it's a well-known story. He was a diehard Yankee fan growing up. I think they spent a perfect amount of time on it, given how much of that we already know. And now we know that we're going to get six more hours where we just get to focus on Jeter's professional baseball life and what was going, what you know, what he was doing off the field during that time. And it seems like we're going to get a lot more detailed look at at his Yankee career because we're already up to this point in the timeline. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Yeah, that that I I disagree. Actually, I I would have liked to have spent a little more time with Derek in his childhood and um you know his upbringing. Honestly, I thought they did a great job in what they did cover, but um I want to know what Derek Jeter's high school life was like when he wasn't playing baseball. Um, you know, like they interviewed one of his friends, I think, and he was just like, if you went to Derek's house and he was not done hitting, you were just going to wait. Like, I would have liked to hear a little bit more about that. I, I'm, I do not like the Tiger Woods documentary that they did, but they, I thought they covered enough of his early life, like away from golf, like talking about what he was like. Um, I, I thought that was one piece in that documentary that I liked that of a ton. I didn't, but um, I, I would have liked to hear a little bit more about that. You know, that he tells the anecdote, about when somebody uses the N-word at him when he comes back home. He talks about how he was always being stared at, but I, I could have used a little bit more there. Um, and then I also thought the the switch from he's struggling in the minor leagues to he's the minor league player of the year feels very abrupt. Like he basically says, you're going to have to challenge yourself. Can you do this? There was no really like, and then he stuck with it and and got there. or And then he started working with Brian Butterfield. You know what I mean? It was just like, you're going to... It, it's a nitpick. I, I I admit to that, but it just felt like a, the only weird transition in that it was like Derek Jeter stinks. And now all of a sudden Derek Jeter is a minor league player of the year. It just felt, felt weird watching it the second time I kind of caught on to that. But um, the one thing I would have liked was to spend more time with him as, as a kid, because the stuff they showed was gold, like uh, him run, running around, even like as a two-year-old in that uh those uh overall the white yeah. overalls with no undershirt like such you know and watching it with the audience we had all those laughs that, you know in there it was it was really fun but um you know i look i i think that it's not bad that you're left wanting a little bit more because i feel like even though jeter's being a little bit more raw Derek Jeter's always going to leave you wanting more yeah I, I i guess i guess when it comes to his high school life maybe there just isn't that much to tell he probably 
you, I, at least I could picture or imagine his high school life away from playing high school baseball to probably be pretty dull aside from practicing baseball and probably not, um, you know, going out and living too much of a quote unquote normal high school life because he was so dedicated to becoming the best high school baseball player in the country. So I'm sure there just was a lot of nights in his garage batting cage or whatever. I think I remember an interview once where he said there was just one time he got in trouble in high school when he like went out with one of his friends who had like taken his parents' car or something. But other than that, I'm sure there probably wasn't too much else to tell. But I definitely agree about the um, transition in his minor league life. I would have liked to spend a little more time with him talking about, you know, exactly what he went over and what he practiced with Brian Butterfield to turn his um, to turn his career around in, in the minor league, specifically in the field. But again, yeah, even if it's just like he just needed more reps, like you just needed like one transition. That That's it. Yeah. And, and we also don't know what Randy wanted to put in and what ESPN kind of nixed because we heard Randy say that they had enough to do like a, a 10 part series if they wanted to. But ESPN said, oh, seven's probably enough. So I'm sure there was more. Maybe we'll get a director's cut someday. Oh man, release the Randy cut. Um, <laughs> apparently, the release the Snyder cut was a hoax. But yeah, I mean, I definitely yep. wanted to see the Snyder cut. I'm glad we got it. Um, but yeah, no, I look. I thought Randy did a great job. It it to me, even just watching this first episode, you could see he understands how to tell the story and really uh, put the exclamation part, uh, hit, put the exclamation point on the big moments, like the like I was talking about with the the 95 thing, and like you were talking about the draft day stuff is excellent, and it's crazy that they used to do the draft like that. But I thought Randy did a you know a plus for Randy for me, not just because we, he was kind enough to speak with us last week. Go back and listen to that if you haven't. Um, but I, I thought the direction was great. Like. And the stuff in like 95, I can't get over how good it is. Like I was just getting so pumped even rewatching it last night. When you're hearing from Cone, I thought Showalter's interviews were fantastic. Like I could listen to I could listen to Buck Showalter talk all day, all day. Yeah, well, he's the man. I have to listen to a lot of his – well, not have to. I get to listen to a lot of his interviews nowadays for, for work, and it's it's a treat every time. He is, he is awesome. Definitely uh, – Definitely can uh, make you laugh a lot, but no, I, I agree. I was I, I just watching the '95 stuff, and again, I was five years old at the time. I have no conscious memory of what was going on during the '95 season, but it definitely made me wish, like, man, if I could have just been born like a few years earlier, so I could have experienced that, and not just experienced it, but experienced it with like the memory of everything that happened before, with how bad the Yankees were, and. I, that probably would have been a pretty, pretty incredible time. Yeah. I think, um, you know, watching it, I, yeah, I talk about being left wanting more, uh, the scenes with Bernie where he talks about what it was like coming up before they got rid of the kind of the rotten part of the, the old core from the early nineties and replaced it with guys like O'Neill and Cone. Um, it just left me wanting, like, I want to hear the whole story of all of these guys, like, I want the documentary on the dynasty like that. That's what I want. And I mean, it's been written about the birth of the dynasty is a great book. Uh, The last night of the Yankees dynasty is a great book, but it's just like, you see it and you're like, damn, I I want that story. I want the, you know what I mean? It's, there's so much that you want, but um, yeah, I thought they did an absolutely tremendous job of doing that. And, you know, like, like I remember 
like 1995 what happened i don't remember watching any of it i don't think i watched much of it because you know i'm only a couple of years older than you um 96 is the first year where i have vivid memories of specific moments in games i just remember 95 like being told the yankees are losing the yankees are winning like what you know just like our dad or mom like telling us like yankees lost last night yankees won they, they got eliminated all that kind of good stuff but um yeah it's it's a crazy series and um yeah i just it, it's it's awesome that they brought jeter and uh there even though he been he wasn't even on the roster yeah that was cool and, and it was cool hearing hearing from bernie who when they tried to sign they hit away at a baseball complex and Cheshire, Connecticut, so nobody else could get him, which was right down the street from where I used to live in Connecticut. I was hoping that would get a mention, but it's not a Bernie documentary. 